Now, can I first ask, before we dig into you, the name of the fund is uh -huh. quite astounding. I've never come across such a beautifully named VC. Can you, can you give us a bit of a clue how the name came about? Well, yes, I suppose so. I mean, like, I like it. Uh, my co-founders love it. Um, everyone we've spoken to loves it. I suppose the idea of a goddess is, is that if you look at Roman mythology and Greek mythology and, and Hindu mythology, I'm Hindu myself, you know, the female goddesses are as strong as the male goddesses. And in some cases, like Athena and Ares, for example, Athena actually beat Ares. So the point is, we wanted to show strength, but in a in a in a way that was a you know helpful to everyone basically, and to believe in yourself, right? And then Gaia is is Mother Earth, mm -hmm. and what we're doing is creating impact for four billion women on this Earth. So it seemed like a very nice goddess Gaia rings off the of of the tongue. And mm -hmm. ventures, I mean, every VC fund has Gotta to be put, ventures. Some ventures, <laughs> so put the ventures in there somewhere. I I have a question to kick us off. Sure. I would love to hear more about. Kind of what inspired you to establish GGV is and is that the acronym that you use for the fund yes. and yep. how your personal experience kind of influenced your investment decisions, especially for women's women's health and wellness. Sure. So let me try and start with the the first question. So my personal background is I've had cancer. I had very intrusive IVF. IVF and cancer don't go well together. I can assure you. Mm. And then I had an autoimmune disease and those personal pain points really made me see in real time that we didn't have the right outcomes for women, not only in this country, but worldwide. And that precision medicine is required because we're all different, every mm. one of us. And we need things to help us to get to where we need to get to. And my personal health scares and, and disappointments really gave me courage to look at this more head on. And actually, to be honest, gives me a real reason to understand why I even had it in the first place, if I'm being very honest. Because when you get so sick, it really makes you question why mm. and why is this happening to you? So I look at it as a positive and say, this happened to me because it changed my trajectory, my career trajectory to go and build Europe's first women's healthcare fund. So there's a positive from the negative. And I suppose in a way how that's influenced my personal decision making when I meet founders, my other two co-founders are very analytic. You know, they love the mass, they love the numbers. I love those two, don't get me wrong. I have a PE legal background, but I look for founders, male or female, by the way, who have grit, determination and real gumption, because that's what it takes to succeed, I think, especially in this market. And there are just times when I was going through my own hellhole and actually it was my faith that really got me through that. So I need and I like to see that in other people. So I think that that's how it's influenced me. Mm. No, I love that. It's like, you know. A lot of people, when they, you know, have a startup, it's based on a real life problem that they've experienced, right? And it's a very similar kind of uh, situation for you. One thing I wanted to pick up on there before I hand it back to Chris was on some of those key elements for selecting startups in women's healthcare. What what do people need to look out for? Well, 
I think for me, the, sort of, if you are you asking for a founder's personality or just for the product itself? Both, either or, which whichever you th- you feel is more of a factor. Okay, so I think all founders, for example, need to be good decision makers, and they need to take their time to make a decision, but they need to execute fast after that decision. Mm. So for me, that's a common theme amongst leaders. I think in healthcare, because you have a longer period between seed and series A, you need a lot of patience, you need a lot of grit, you need a lot of determination, and you have to want to do it. We've seen founders who on paper who are brilliant, you know, scientists, brilliant academics, you know, they have everything beautiful on the CV. Ultimately, running a company, building a company, that that's a totally different skill set. Mm. And you really have to want it. And you're wrong 24 7. Mm. I've worked 70 hours a week for the last two years on this wow. without being paid. Wow. And the only reason is because I firmly believe that we need this in the ecosystem. Mm. And the impacts that have come out from, from the investments, the portfolio so far, are there any that you, you know, care to share with us? Yeah, I mean, look, I mean, some of our some of our founders are doing wonders like Biorhythm, for example, they they you can assess your fetal heart rate while your the baby's growing inside of you. Mm. This actually helps with a reduction in having C-sections, reduction in worry, worry and stress, which actually affects mother, affects baby, have healthier births, which mm. is fantastic. They've taken, I think, six years to grow from inception to grow seed when we invested and they're now in series a in in the us Mm. it shows you and it's because that founder amrish his wife went through this and they couldn't find something to Mm. deal with the problem lache bayanya i mean dr chen is fabulous she started her career in films and then when she had her first baby how to actually breastfeed she was having enormous problems as a result of that and she built her own algorithm she built her own company she then went out and raised money she is now i think in 17 nhs trusts across the uk and has won a number of innovative awards so all these founders not only are returning making returns and and profits but they also create impact and real societal changes which actually is beneficial not just for women but for everyone you know if you Mm. want happy families everyone has to be taken into consideration Mm. so i'm very proud of of everyone in our portfolio and i and i actually feel like a sort of proud mother hen so it's a bit like how i feel about my own son sometimes you know and it's great to see them grow and it's great to see us being able to support them in that growth and i think that to me is is what vc managers should be doing especially mm. in this environment and they they sound fantastic the businesses you you've mentioned priya i'm, I'm always intrigued when I talk to to VCs about how how do you how do you find these 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 wonderful women is is it is it recommendation is it you know going to lots of events just the blend in is it you know some of them that you've invested in recommend your you know you as a fund to others just just curious about that 
Yeah, so so you're and you're bang on the money, Chris. I mean, it's about deal sourcing, and you know, everyone says, "Oh, I've got best in class." But mm. how do you get best in class? Mm. Well, number one, it's through relationships. So making relationships with universities, you know, making relationships with accelerators, with early stage investors, with angel groups. You know, Alma Angels. I'm a member of them. They've got a fabulous setup, mm. and 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 actually gaining people's trust. And then, you know, I think over the last two years, we've created, so Aya Suzuki, who is our head of ops and partner in GGV, I think she's created over 750 funnels. That's a lot. Wow. You know, so you think we're doing this day in, day out, basically. Mm. And then I think, as you rightly said, Chris, the main thing is actually having other founders reference you to their friends who are founders, because mm. that's actually the best recommendation. Mm. You're doing something right. It's trust, isn't it? Completely. And mm. I think, you know, in today's world where, you know, everything's remote and we're on Zooms, people mm. sometimes forget well, that actually trust. going for a yeah. coffee mm. and actually sitting down with someone and actually being there mm. um, and, and working out, you know, what are the best steps forward it, it is so much more valuable than mm. attending Zoom calls because that's mm. that interpersonal connection. So, I would say the latter is probably the most important to us, but we have, like all VCs, you know, built out our VC funnel. We have built out, you know, different avenues to talk to to great portfolio companies and founders. And then obviously we have a, you know, a system internally of how we how we measure that. But yes, I for me, there is no substitute in actually meeting someone face to face. Mm. Even if it's a 20 minute coffee, honestly, the mm. things you can capture in those 20 minutes, mm. it's not possible on a Zoom call. True. So you, you, you focused on some of the founders, which yep. is brilliant. I, I believe you're, you're fundraising still for the fund. Oh, absolutely. Yes. And, and I suppose, you know, the question there is, you know, you how how big's the fund hopefully going to be how, yep. how are you finding the fundraising journey it's obviously that's that's you doing the pitch rather than yep. uh, being pitched to so yeah I, I i you know are you finding it hard because obviously we hear the the environment is is tough for, for getting funding but just wondered what your observations are there yeah i mean i i personally think this has probably been one of the hardest fundraising environments in the last sort of 15 years. Um, and I used to, and part of my my trajectory was that I used to help, you know, big private equity firms, you know, meet institutional capital. This is a totally different story. You know, our, our cornerstone checks are from family offices and you really have to understand what their motivations for investing are, basically. It isn't a tick box exercise at all. Um, And yes, it is incredibly, it has been incredibly difficult. But at the same time, I think there is a process to fundraising as well. And I think one has to be very honest with oneself because I think you can know off the first couple of calls if this is going to go anywhere or not. And I think that's important as well to understand, like, where is the chemistry? Are you meeting the metrics? And not to take it personally, right? Because mm. just because a fund of fund, 
you're not on they they can't invest in you because maybe your size isn't big enough or you know you don't hit the right verticals or you're not the right stage it's not a personal no it's mm. it doesn't fit our investment thesis yeah. So I think that has been the journey because, you know, when you're building something yourself, it's very hard not to take it personally. Mm -hmm. So one has to turn, I think one has to really grow in that perspective. You know, for us, we funded the first 11 investments with our own money. Mm. That's that's how much, you know, skin in the game we had. And then, you know, our first close is very much family offices. And so that's thanks to our chairman, James Benedict, who, who sits in NYC. And, you know, he has a lot of relationships with family offices. And so that helped us enormously. But, you know, now we are working with institutional investors and we'd love to have them in. But their timeline is just a lot longer basically, because they have very rigorous DD processes and, you know, hence you build out a great data room. But I, I'm enthusiastic and still positive because I still think good companies and good funds will still get invested in. Mm -hmm. you, and, you, and you have to know how much you want it, right? Mm -hmm. So mm -hmm. there's no point having an idea if there isn't power and authority behind it. Mm -hmm. So we're still going. <laughs> and. <laughs> Can you see perhaps, you know, a slight warming in the environment perhaps next year? Or was it, you know, everyone's trying to have a crystal ball and yeah, predict just, you know, do, do you see that? Well, you know, I think this year has been incredibly difficult because we are we're in a, you know, there's two major wars going on at the moment. We've had uh, Silicon Valley Bank uh, earlier this year. I think, you know, investors have become quite concerned about the macro level. But ultimately, let's think this through. We're going into an election year in the US. We mm -hmm. are you know, every government is trying to stimulate the economy. And ultimately, how do other people make money, they invest. So people who would invest in us, let's say institutional capital, they have to invest for them to make money. So they have to do something at some stage, whether that's January the 1st or March the 1st, I couldn't tell you. I think family offices as well, as well as you know, preserving capital, still want to deploy. Uh -huh. So there is a slow, I think, improvement in, in the economy. And I think that's important uh, as well to ensure that the economy is moving forward. Mm. No, that's, that's, that's a good answer. So turn, turning back a bit here, Priya, to the to the portfolio businesses you, you've invested in so far. I think you've invested in 11 so yep. far. Absolutely. Um, the, the idea is to, to, to get to, I suppose, how many, and then within the portfolio, are there are there certain trends that you want to explore in the new investments that you may be looking at, or you know, is it a similar? You know, you, you tend to always invest in sim similar types of areas. I just wondered if you could, you know, expand on on the portfolio aspects. So when we started plotting out proof points and data points in women's health, we realized that the biggest opportunity and delta was between seed and series A, because it normally takes a healthcare company about three years to sort of get from one stage seed to series A. Hmm. And that's because we, they need to do regulatory pathways, they have to do clinical trials, and they need to create sales funnels. So we 
tend to invest at growth seed. So sort of halfway at that point where we've got about 18 months visibility at Series A. So for all our companies, that's the commonality, the stage of investing. But we've sliced and diced in uh, women's health, which is fem health, into mm. five very distinct verticals because we think they are the trends of the future, but also that they're new markets. And so you've got the biggest upside in those markets. So, for example, fem health and sport, we're very bullish on that. You know, in the last, I suppose, year, you've seen how many different clubs being women's clubs being bought by other women, actually. So Olympic Lyonnais, the Warriors, so Michelle Kang, you see Amanda Staveley running Newcastle, you saw the Ricketts family buying the Chicago Red Stars. I mean, these are very important clubs which are being run by women women women's sports are part and women's football is part of their business plan but you know if you want the best out of a women's sports team fem health is part of that equation because mm -hmm. you cannot train players men and women um, uh, players in the same way yeah. they have different healthcare needs different you know that feeds down to dietary needs and you know menstruation as well you know what about starting a family these things are very important so mm -hmm. i do i'm very excited about that area of, of mm -hmm. women's health because i see that being able to bring in a wider audience of investors as well mm -hmm. people love sports look, yeah. look what i've forgotten her name taylor 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 swift's done right you know in the u.s what's she done well, well, you mean she's going out with this chap, uh, isn't she? And, 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 yeah. and I was reading from stats and I, 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 you know, beg you to check those basically. But she's increased one, the 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 watching of these sports matches by X, yeah. by X percent. And, you know, I was reading the other day that the women's football final, it was the second most watched sport on earth mm. after the men's football final. So that's pretty impressive. Brilliant. Yeah. You know, and so so fem health needs have to be included mm. in if you're trying to improve sport mm. analytics. And, I think and that's, that's a great that's insight. Thank you. I appreciate I really appreciate that, you know, because when we were building this a couple of years ago, everyone was looking at us going, nah, that's not gonna happen. Yeah. And, you know, <laughs> and it's really exciting um yeah. to be sort of like of course, you know, it's great to be right, but actually to see the empowerment and the improvement yeah. in sport for women, yeah. you know, and that's really exciting. And I and I think that really helps down, you know, young children, young girls as well, mm. as they mm. grow up as well, because there's a lot to be learned from sport, which actually translates into business. So I'm excited about that area. I'm also very excited about cancer and early diagnostics. Um, mm. The earlier you get to cancers, the better the outcomes. There are seven cancers mm. that women have that men don't have. Mm. The quicker you can actually, you know, decipher what kind of cancer uh, a patient has, you know, the better the treatment outcomes, you know. So that is very exciting. And that is also something that doesn't, you know, need lots and lots of money. And, and actually it's where innovation, mm. we're seeing a lot of innovation with AI in that area. So I'm very excited about that personally. And so mm, is the yeah. team. And, and you know, UK universities are doing a brilliant job in, in that area as well. So yeah, there's always going to be a couple of themes that you're particularly excited about. And, and for me, 
in a trillion dollar town, there are only six FEM health funds in the US. We're the first in Europe. If you think about it, seven FEM health funds for a trillion dollar town, you know, there's a lot of innovation mm -hmm. that means. Yeah. And I, I think it really depends how you slice and dice that. I think medicine as well, it it has a reputation for only catering to a particular profile historically, right? And and that's been quite a shift recently, I think, and a lot of good work has gone into that. And to your point on these seven additional cancers that men don't get, I'm sure that the traditional early detection methods for those are probably very subpar compared to more mainstream cancers and, and that sort of thing. I don't know if that's accurate, but that would be my hunch. I mean, you know, I mean, a lot of this goes back to, you know, clinical trials, like who's included in the clinical trial? Mm. And, you know, historically, women haven't been included in them. So yeah. how can you test for something and how it works on a woman if she's not included in the original yeah. trial? Systemic so, biases. Yeah, completely. Right. But see, you get that. But, you know, you know, a lot of people have been fighting a, a patriarchal system where, you know, it's well, why should women be included? Well, because they have chromosomes. At least 50% of the population, if not more. I mean, exactly. I, I think as well, a lot of people focusing on AI have had to focus on the quality of inputs to the quality of AI. And AI is just, you know, a digitized system that runs automatically, but we kind of replicate that systemic approach in, you know, the way we organize our organizations and institutions and everything. So the quality of the inputs is just as important in, in general organizations, right? And, you know, systemized processes. And LM models need to include wider data points, right? Because yeah. otherwise we're just recreating the problem. Exactly. You know, you want to be creating a better system, a better holistic system, mm -hmm. a better systemic system, a fairer system. Mm -hmm. And that means everyone needs to be included. Priya, are you a... AI is our friend or AI is our foe, which which camp are you in? I think we're in optimistically liking AI. I mean, even in our sort of like logo, we have the AI symbol in there. We obviously want to be on trend and, and you know, find the best technology out there. But we wouldn't invest in an AI product for the sake of it being AI. It's mm. got to be able to do something efficiently and, mm. and better Otherwise, you know, it's just a fad, isn't it? Mm. You know? And I and I really appreciate your point, Anthony, before about, you know, the models around that. I mean, they need to be fair and inclusive. So mm. that is what we're looking for. And, you know, I think it's very important not to jump on trends for the sake of trends. I mean, look mm -hmm. what happens to crypto. You know, it's 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 not helpful you know we need to look especially with healthcare because the downside is people die right you know mm -hmm. it's a very high bar we need to look at it long term how is this technology really going to be helpful and it really can as well you know like even basic things like i remember when i was sick and 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 also was trying to have a baby oh my god i was managing six doctors and six arch files i mean ai can just do wonders of assimilating that information in one portal so that the doctor can look through things easily as opposed to me pulling out, you know, and this is only seven years ago. Oh, my test results from this doctor, my test results from this doctor. This means this, this means this. Oh, and I had another test two months ago. It's like virtually you're running your own case. 
Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And those six doctors are not acting holistically or in a coordinated manner with each other either, are they? <laughs> exactly. And that and you know, not to blame doctors. I mean, they are completely overwhelmed, right? Mm. But so they need that tech even just to streamline the process, you know. And I think things like that. I remember, for example, I we had to have tests, my husband and I, every day. And, and then we then had to repeat that process for a new set of doctors. I was like, well, why couldn't you use the other test results? And, and, and or we couldn't find them. What do you mean you couldn't find them? Isn't there a central system? Classic. Mm. And, you know, and that costs us more money, more time, more stress. Mm -hmm. so, so I think AI certainly on that level mm. is very efficient. It can make the processes mm. efficient, but mm. it also can be, you know, used interoperably in, within, within, you know, products so that you are building better, more efficient products for certain problems. And, and that's what we're looking at. Not, hey, I want to build something with AI because it's cool mm. and I want to make loads of money. Mm. You know, it, there needs to be a proper pathway. So obviously the big focus of the fund is health. And within <laughs> see, the UK ecosystem, <laughs> there is a big hairy gorilla called the NHS and I think you know with your your focus do you do you tend to you know avoid businesses with a high exposure to the NHS? Yeah so, so our investment strategy is very much first checks into UK Europe and and sort of wider Europe basically so obviously you know there will be some UK companies in there as well yeah. um, I would say two of our companies in our port current portfolio and one in our pipeline is actually going through the NHS accelerator program, which actually has been terribly helpful for those portfolio companies. I mean, from experience, yes, it's very hard to penetrate the NHS system. But once you have, it's a great resource as well for for portfolio companies here you know but what we're looking for i suppose is 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 something much broader than that we're looking for companies that can not only break it and do well in their sort of local country so let's say the uk but are able to translate into the us because we would not double down on a company unless it's able to be uh, translatable and actually be able to scale in the US. That's why we have a number of operators in our team who are US based, who are actually helping us with that process. So for us, when we're looking at a company, we're thinking, right, would we be able to get a CPT code for this particular product? Do we need one first and foremost? We've got relationships with a number of different insurance companies within the US, which are called payers. Okay, great. Is, is this a model that could actually work in the US? Is it best in class compared to US technology and other companies in their subsectors and can our operators genuinely help these companies go to scale in the US so for us the NHS is is one part of that equation but not everything and and so for us you know the bigger picture is can we take this company over to the US and can we bring it to scale because if i think about what our job is we are the custodian of other people's money our job is to get them returns. We also happen to be creating impact, which is fantastic and which is very personal to us, but our job is to create returns. So to do that, we need to find those companies and identify them 
if they're able to go toe to toe in the US. With that US focus, which is yeah. obviously the important stepping stone for all of the founders that you have, you, you do put, tend to point them in, you know, in that direction or guide them towards that so our aspirations are very much to scale our fund so this is a first of four funds you know with a trillion dollar tam you can easily raise a mega fund uh, and you know we we need to you know be cognizant of that system but yes this is the first of four funds so and where the investment thesis will get broader and wider so when we're looking at our team in the u.s they are dotted around the US, but most of our board are US based as well. So for us, the US focus is extremely important. And that's actually something we ask our founders when we're actually interviewing them and getting to know them. You know, it's like, is the US a market you want to crack? Are you are you ready for that? Because if they are or they're not, is a very personal decision. Mm. You know, I I'm very averse to actually backing founders who don't have the same desires and goals and mission as you are, basically, because this is about creating a family that actually works, right, with a shared vision. If, if a founder doesn't want to do that, that's fine, but they're not for us. Mm. But we're not for them. That's also just as important, you know, because founders need to find the right investors who back their vision. So I, I think it's really about being very honest with each other and figuring out what, what does everybody want here. But for us, it's very much, <clears throat> sorry, best in class who are ready to create new markets and ready to go and scale in the US. To start okay. here, develop here, land and okay. expand in the US uh, via rocket ship. <laughs> Totally, totally. And, you know, ultimately, the bottom line is, you know, whatever you think of the UK, the UK is a great place to start a company. Yeah. It's quick. It's easy. You have Innovate grants. You have digitized records. You have a government that supports that innovation. So to a certain stage, if you are, you know, lean and you are ready to, to fight for what you're building, I think this is a great environment to build a company from scratch. Yeah. And we've seen a lot of European companies uh, actually reincorporate themselves in the UK for that very reason. And the yeah. NHS can be a great reserve as well for this. The problem is how do you scale? And this is where we, we run into a roadblock. And, and, and to get a venture outcome, you need to scale, right? So. Completely. Completely. So this is it, you know, so to get a venture outcome, you, you bang on the money. What are we trying to do? We get a venture outcome. How do you do that? You scale. Yeah. And what do we need to do? Capture the US market. So, you know, when, when we sort of reverse engineer this, we did think about this very carefully about what are we trying to achieve here? And it's not a foundation. It's not a charity. It's a venture where yeah. we are trying to get venture returns, which we are aiming for, which we believe we can achieve. And and we want to do that for the portfolio companies because if they do well, they will fund other founders mm. in the same space. Yeah, flywheel effect. Yeah, and you improve that ecosystem. And mm. what you want is women's health to become mainstream mm. so that people, when they're sitting in, in, in big institutions and they sort out their portfolio construction, they go, hey, healthcare this is cool we can we can take this box as well and women's healthcare it's not oh we need to go to a subcommittee of a subcommittee of a subcommittee to figure out if this is worth investing in 
yeah. inspirational priya i love it Bodhya. so i think it's great that you you have this passion and desire to 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 direct and to to help founders navigate the us which i think if anything is a you know summation of the call because I, I know we're coming to the end of the call you know i think you'll you'll have a a nice cube forming for of people <laughs> who have listened to this this particular podcast because i think it's been super and yeah so i don't know if you, you have anything further to add on that um, Anthony. No, no 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 appreciate your time and, and your yeah. and your efforts and inviting me on so it's very kind of you no, it's brilliant it's been really good to talk really good to meet you um you and hopefully we can do do the next one i i do a number of found star breakfasts which okay. you know where i get people in the room and you know it's a nice supplement to to the podcast and hopefully we can meet face to face in 24 <laughs> enjoy your christmas and <laughs> you it's a thank you from me and yeah thank you from me <laughs> thank you very much appreciate it take care okay. thank you